welcome to DevSecOps Talk. This is episode 7. I'm Matthias and I'm here with Andre and Julian. How are you guys? Hello. Hello. Very good. Thank you. How are you, Matthias? I'm fine. Actually, the sun is coming out. I had like a hailstorm with thunder and lightning and hail coming down like 10 minutes ago. But now... The sun is coming out as we start this podcast. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. What is the topic for today? The topic today is how do you learn? Interesting. Yeah. But should we start with what we have been up to in the latest time? Or what we learned since last Oh, time. what we learned. Okay. It's, it's, I mean, I think we can answer... On both questions, depends on the person. Yeah, 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 true. I, I can start. Go ahead. I, I, I actually jumped into Terraform. And uh, uh, I kind of like Terraform better than Ansible and other tools I used. Uh, I use it now to provision my AWS cluster. Or, uh, yeah, you know, all the VPCs and cluster and stuff that you need. And, uh, yeah, I think I'm getting to the hang of it and see how I can use Terraform in, uh, yeah, in setting up the infrastructure as well. Hopefully I can go over to setting up the Kubernetes cluster as well with it later. One thing to do which people kind of miss is that there are a lot of open source models for the Terraform. So people usually like don't know and they start to write their own models. But I yeah. would encourage you to go to the GitHub and just Google like Terraform models and you will find a lot of open source maintained models that already have all you need. Like in most cases, all you need. That's but, nice. Like, yeah. for instance, you're setting up VPC, you will get like yeah. a flow log, model for flow logs. I don't think they have a flow logs inside the model, but you will need to set up a separate, but it comes with all the subnets. It's not gateway, so you can have public subnets, private subnets, separate yeah. subnets, completely private subnets for the databases, yeah. for instance, stuff like that. So, and like, even if it doesn't suit you, I would still recommend taking those as a first step. So yeah, cutting out stuff that you don't need and rolling with that. Yeah, but I mean, it was really simple with setting up a new VPC. It's just like new VPC, here's the name, go, and then new subnet attached to that VPC setup. It's, I haven't used Ansible with uh, AVS. Have, have, have you? And have you used Ansible with AVS? I don't, think, I don't think it's the right tool for the job, really. Because Ansible was initially intended to be like a service pro server provisioning tool, and they got then some models to work with AWS. But I would go with something more established like Terraform. Yeah. Well, I think that Ansible is better for what you want to configure inside a server, like the OS, the packages, and everything. But yeah. with with the coming of the you know the containers, it makes less and less sense to use a config management like Ansible or Chef yeah. Puppet. I, I think to, once you have Terraform and containers, you're already on a good good track. You know, you don't need to add more tools to it. Yeah, I, great. That that's all I needed to hear. Then I'm on a good track. Yeah, uh, I think that is what we discussed in a, yeah quite quite extensively in episode one, right? Was it was it episode one? Infrastructure is called. 
yeah true yeah but i will i will next uh episode i will probably ask you how uh, i will uh, start my terraform commands i mean today i run them from a docker on my laptop but i want them to be deployed from some uh, like jenkins or something mm. so you can push up some code and then that can then yeah, but we, we can take it for the next episode yeah we could do a, like a deep dive episode for this one CICD yeah, for yeah. infrastructure as code. I like it. Kind of, yeah. Well, yeah. So, who wants to go next? Oh, sure. Well, what I've been doing is uh, since... Uh, I'm not talking work-related, but uh, I've been spending a lot of time with uh, Ugo and building websites, and I, I really like it. I think the new website for the, the podcast is coming along quite well. It's yep. much much easier totally. to manage than uh, copying a bunch of uh, HTML file, files sure. uh, here and there. And um, yeah, just ba- basically building Hugo. The, the, the theme that we use is called Zen. I, I think it's one of the best theme I've seen um, out there. And uh, shout out to the author. I, I forgot his name, but uh, the Zen team. Uh, the Zen theme on Yugo theme. It's a really n- neat and black and white uh, theme. Highly recommended. With a lot of functionality, super lean, very well written. So, yeah, that's it for me. Nice, nice. Uh, Andre, what have you been up to? That's always interesting to hear. Um, I think the most interesting part was me digging into the S3 access logs. So, um, for Ooh. compliance reasons, I need to provide uh, access audit reports, and I've been um, researching how people do that and uh, how how do you go through the quite a big amount of data on a, because like you know you have a, a lot of log files and other stuff. So I uh, I think we we could do another episode about that. So I will not go into details right now, but. I have like enough material to talk for like maybe 20, 30 minutes. How do you store data in S3 and then how do you make sure that no one who wasn't intended to get it yeah. got it? So stuff like that. I've been that's what kept me occupied most of the time. That's so, interesting for for one of my next tasks is to set up like a data pipeline where you can collect all these logs and and pipe it into right now I'm thinking an elastic search so then you can make some sense of it so it's it, yeah that's really interesting to see like for the access logs I don't think you really need them in elastic search it's much more handier to process them with pandas and stuff like that but like for application probably yeah you need to pipe logs to elastic but uh, for this stuff, I ended up just writing a couple of Python scripts and, you know, aggregating everything with pandas and uh, it's turned out quite nicely. It's actually on a GitHub now. So I published that source and uh, if anyone interested, go, go check it out. I will add it to the podcast, podcast show notes. Nice. And then we can do. A, I mean, I'm still working and still kind of work in progress. It's usable, but uh, lacking documentation a little bit. So 
by the time we do a deep dive, I probably will have a documentation, examples, and stuff like that. So yeah, and exactly what is a deep dive? Maybe you should explain that theme that we are coming up with. Yeah, so it's uh, quite inspired by the Security Now podcast and uh, deepness of the material, how deep they go into that podcast because they don't really touch not only touch the news but actually explain what it is how the techno underlying technology works why it's important and so on and so on and I, I would pretty much like us to get to this level of uh, quality for the content eventually yeah. I mean we're still like a talking show but yeah. I, I would like to mix it a little bit with uh, actually like you know dive in where you pick a topic and then someone would deliver the kind of a presentation without slides, yeah. since we are the podcast, but just goes dive, dive deep and explains what it is, what he's been working on. And then the rest of the group can ask questions and make sure that, they, I mean, there is nothing missing out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Good idea. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of great. Okay, so we deep into the uh, topic of today then? Yeah, let's do that. So, Julian, yes. what are your primary source of info for getting knowledge? Oh, uh, there are a few, and it's very different depending on the topic. But, uh, for instance, I think Twitter is uh, quite nice to see what's happening. Like if something is trending or if the people I follow re share a tools or some, some idea, it's kind of nice to see like, uh, because sometimes you don't have the time to write a nicely written article or, or make, um, you know, to share the knowledge. I think Twitter is very low level, low barrier of entry if you want to share something. So a lot of uh, developer use that to share their work. Is quite yeah. interesting, but I think that if you need like a more, for instance, if you want to learn about a topic specifically, um, I mainly use um, Safari Online, like the O'Reilly uh, learning yeah. platform. It's uh -huh. it's it's a bit pricey for what it is, but I think that the content uh, reflects the the quality, uh, the, the price reflects the quality, and uh, anytime I need something quite deep. There is a book or there is a, a video or even the conference are, are really, really advanced. I really like that. So what, what, what is for, the platform for people who doesn't know, like me, for instance? What do you mean? I mean, you said uh, Aurelius Safari platform. I think I heard about it, but I never got around to check it out. So what it is? Yeah. Uh, basically, you have... Uh, I, uh, I don't know. I'm not advertising for them. I don't. I'm not sponsored or anything. But it's more like a. It's a very huge library of everything about around tech. Like mm -hmm. from they 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 swallow also the content from other publisher like Manning or Pact Publishing. Uh, so you have a lot of things in there that are. There's a lot of front end stuff. There's a lot of machine learning. There's a kind of okay-ish for the cloud, but for the cloud, I use uh, other platform like uh, Linux Academy. Mm -hmm. I, I pass I pass mm -hmm. my certification for Kubernetes through um, Linux Academy. I think that's the best uh, course for Kubernetes out there. Um, 
yeah more than that if you it depends how you learn as well like uh, do you like more read or watch a video or yeah. practice and that's also what's included in those platform now you have those uh, uh, already acquired Katakoda. So Katakoda uh -huh. is basically you spin up a, a Docker container and from your browser, you can type commands and, and try things out in a real environment, which I think is a very uh, neat way to learn. Th there are other possibilities as well. I think uh, I'm, I'm, of course, mainly focused on Google Cloud and Google Cloud is a lot of those um, labs that are available that you can try in your own project. You may or may not pay for them. Most of them are using the free tier. Some of them are using more advanced feature that you might need to pay, but it's it's the order of cents. You you I I I don't think I ever had to to you know spend a lot of money to test something. So it's quite nice for that. But uh, yeah, YouTube has it also a tremendous a tremendous amount of uh, of resources. I mean, just look at the conference talk type whatever you want. Uh, InfoQ, the website infoq.com has a lot of things as well. Um, all of that is quite, I would say, it's not very, it's not beginner level. So if you don't know anything about a topic that might be a bit overwhelming, but I, I, I kind of like, because then if I see something I don't understand, I, I it give me an incentive to go look for it. You know, it's not just, okay, I'm, I'm not passive in my learning. I like but, to be, but, yeah, yeah. But so, so you mainly sit on on Twitter and you get some knowledge about new things, and then you go to uh, these sources to find more information. But I mean, this doesn't pop up on my Twitter account. What kind of what kind of hashtags are you following, and what kind of people? How, how um, do you get? It's the well, I, I follow more than one thousand people, so it's not very. It's very broad, depending on what the topic. Uh, it's not very organized either. I, I think that because I follow a very a, a lot of people in various places in various uh, domain. It's yeah. uh, if something is trending, I usually see it, and I I may choose to to pursue it or not depending on what I'm into at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I would say that if you're mainly in infrastructure. The Kubernetes community is very active, and just look at the there is the CNCF and the chairs uh, committee. If you follow those people, you pretty you pretty sure to, to be at the 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 edge of what's going on in there, because they oh. they post on their Twitter what's happening, and so it, it gives you kind of like a a, a a vision of the what's happening inside that bubble, because. Yeah. Yeah. Not every industry do cross uh, reference. You know, if you if you look into the Kubernetes community, it's very unlikely you will see something for front end, for instance. Yeah. And if you follow the front end of the, for instance, I, I wanted to learn GraphQL, uh, like maybe a year, two years ago, maybe yeah. more than that. But uh, and so I went and looked into who invented GraphQL and he's on Twitter. And then you have other people that uh, comment there and they share the project and come say tips and what they think about GraphQL. And then you, it's more like an explore, exploration phase. 
And then if you want, you can read the spec or you just type GraphQL into YouTube if you like a video or just GraphQL into the, the, your search engine and you, you'll probably find a good uh, explanation on that. I, what I really, really recommend if you don't know anything about the topic is the awesome list on GitHub. Just go there. Oh. Just look at that and you will have like a well curated list of open source project, uh, free uh, content, and uh, it's quite nicely nicely done, I would say, for something that free. Yeah. I maintain the list of uh, for Docker, so yeah. I, I spent like it's been five years now, more maybe, that I've been curating um, documentation, articles, project related to Docker, and so I, I use it myself when I need to to know how to do something with Docker, and I think that there is an open source project. I go to 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 that list and just search with a few keywords. And uh, there is even a website for uh, a website that is made. So it's a simple one HTML page with a little bit of CSS, and and that's it. There is no JavaScript, no anything. So wow, it's yeah. it's impressive. I mean, Andre, are you also this kind of stalker that goes out to find like the founder and project, and then start following them on Twitter to I'm, uh, I'm a little bit different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so what's your primary source of info and how, how do you keep keep up with all the things that happens? Well, I'm, a, I'm mostly like a listening person. So I'm really good on consuming information when I hear it. So thus audio books and podcasts being my, the stuff that I do a lot. Like I usually do maybe like 10, 20 hours a week of as a podcast, audiobooks, and uh, it's also some people. I, I talk to other people, and they say that it's hard for them to focus on a content when they do something else, and yeah. that's actually not a problem for me. So I, every time I walk to somewhere or like I bike, I run, if it's like if it's easy run, if I don't need to focus on the workout, then I would just listen in, yeah. and uh, usually. But, but how- how do you pick the books and the podcast that you listen? Well, that's firstly diff- on my actually like um, the books and podcasts I'm listening. They are not all technology related, I would say. So I'm trying to have a break from the technology and also like technology related books are quite dry to listen. So and yeah. you quite often they come with the diagrams with the code listings. So you actually want to read those differently not listen to that so the most of the books i'm listening they are like autobiographies of people maybe some uh, sport related literature so about you know enhancing your mindset and uh, about training routines and stuff like that also trying to have uh, some non-documentary books and fictional books time once in a while so i just you know so unload my head and then when it comes to podcasts, I, nowadays I listen a lot of security-related ones. So Malicious Life, Security Now, to name a few. And then there was um, uh, Dark, Dark that, uh, Diaries. Yeah, now, now I also listen to our podcast to, to do a quality control to see how it's <laughs> coming out in the end and uh, improving. And also I'm... Um, quite a big fan of history. 
So now I'm uh, binging through the History of China podcast. Hmm. Oh, it's, a, it's, it's amazing. This sounds quite fascinating. And I mean, China is a thing on its own. And uh, yeah, I, I could talk quite a lot about it. So I, I, I do recommend people to go and check it out. You get a great insight into the culture when you grow to the when you go through the people's history, people history, and uh, I mean, this is what you've been taught in the school, and that's what defines you, how you think in most cases. So the, yeah. so the history, understanding of history is quite important for understanding the culture. Then uh, I'm not big at Twitter at all, so I'm uh, I do have like a Hootsuite account. So when I post something, it does post to Twitter, but I, I rarely read Twitter myself because I don't really feel that I need to stay on top of the things. I mean, if there is something going on, I'm going to learn about it one way or another. I don't have to be a first one to know. So that's why I don't really follow Twitter that much. I kind of value my attention. So I try not to disperse it a lot. Uh, one thing that's creeping in now is, uh, I think it's a quite big thing in the Russian community. There are Telegram channels. And uh, for instance, I have a stream of AWS announcements as a Telegram channel. Yeah. So every time uh, AWS announces something, I get like a, let's say a Telegram feed. And then I have a system for aggregating the content. So I'm using if, then this to that, IFTT, if this, then that. So it's 3T. And uh, I'm using this one to consume RSS feeds from the blogs and like sites I'm interested in. Also, like uh, to receive the news emails, and then it will re- get all of that, apply certain tags, and put it to the pocket. And then I will consume that from the pocket on my own pace. So I don't need okay. to go to many places. It all comes through IFTTT to to the pocket and then I would just open the pocket like once or twice a week and then go through everything that accumulated there and maybe like you know scroll through LinkedIn time to time so like from real-time consumption that's basically it because I'm trying to stay kind of focused and uh, I mean there are a lot of distractions on social media that I mean there are marketing people fighting for your attention all the time and they want to you know have this clickbait titles so you click or you oh, people reading Twitter quite often just don't even click. They're just, okay, just a title, but you don't get the story. It's like similar with the fake news, you know, some title can drive people to think in a certain way. And I'm trying to pick the certain area and then go deep, do a deep dive into that. And then uh, from platforms, so like I use an Audible for audiobooks and Apple Podcasts for the podcast and looking for the podcast there. I uh, used to use a tweet deck to organize my Twitter following. So I get like a list per, per topic and then I can follow. So I don't have to go through the whole feed because they also rearrange that on a way that something might be interesting for me, which might not be because I actually want to see what particular people I follow post in particular order they do it. And um, what else? Yeah, I'm trying to watch conference talks once in a while. 
it's kind of a little bit hard to get this going for me. So it's better for me to go to the conference because again, then I focus, I, I attend the conference, I network with people. And yeah, also talking to people is a, that's one of the biggest, I would say, from the value perspective, that's uh, one of the best. So actually like the grabbing the person and talking to him for like uh, 30 minutes on one hour, it gives you a lot of in info and uh, details. Yeah. I mean, one thing that strikes me, you keep track and you, Julian, you're really on, on track with the latest things and Andre, you're also there, but how can you describe some, some, Sometimes when it helps you in your daily work to be on track with the latest, then why should you be on track with the latest? Why can't I just let things roll in their own pace and just continue updating uh, my dependencies as they grow old? Why do I need to keep on the latest track and why is it good for me and how can it help me when I am building and designing new setup? Well. I would say that, first of all, you don't need to keep track of everything that's new. That That's first of all, I, I can believe me, you can spend one year not opening any news and you still be OK, because it's it's a it's a myth that things evolve at a really fast pace. You would be able to catch up the same way. Actually, you, you might even be able to skip all the fluff, you know. So first of all, you don't need to keep up the, the things that I the reason why I keep up with things is because I want to learn about new ideas, see what it's more like a fee, feeding my mind with new ideas and, uh, you know, being be, uh, witnessing the debate of any new technology or new ways to do things. I, I'm very interested into architectural design, how team operates and organization, uh, all that kind of things and tooling is is just one part of the like like code it's it's a quite a small part when you look at the grand scheme of things so i i wouldn't say that uh, anybody needs to know what it helps you for so if you if you keep track of the latest is that you might save a lot of time knowing that this new thing come and it solved that problem instead of reinventing it yourself so that's the only, like the main reason why I keep up with, with the the latest, is and I, by the way I don't do that all the time. I, I think it's it's almost impossible to follow what's happening, but it's um, it's more to know where things are going. What do you need to to bet on? What do you need to invest time in? What is worth your time? And what would what do you want to learn? I, I think it's a uh, it's important like to see. Okay, for instance, lately I'm very interested in, um, you know, AI, machine learning and data processing because I had a project where I had to process a lot of data. And so I say, okay, what, how to learn? What is the best way to do? And that applies to everything. It's a, it's a road to, I would say, how, how do you master something? And so the reason I keep with latest is because there, there's probably someone out there who is a master of something and I want to learn from them is is really is just is just for that is uh, being a constant student and to learn from from other people is the main the main reason to do that it's not so also it's not so much to keep up like keeping up is, is the wrong word I think it's the what do you want to learn and learn from the people who already know 
will save you tons of time and, and pain. Just imagine if you had to reinvent Terraform yourself, how, how long would that take you? You understand? It's more like, okay, there's someone like Andre who really knows Terraform, who really, um, he went through a lot. And and then you can ask him questions and he can mentor you and guide you through through basically not shooting yourself in the foot because that's, you know, Terraform is just a tool. And I think the main point here is to to find those those people who are expert in in one domain or another, and see what they use and especially what they don't do. Like yeah. it's it's funny. Like uh, I remember five years ago, or more than that, it was uh, the, the the book on JavaScript came like JavaScript the good part, and I, I it was a very small book like 130 pages something, but at the end. The, all I remember was don't use this, uh, don't use that, don't don't do this, don't do that, and it was more like a, 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 a list of warning signs of how not to do things because they are com going to complicate your life later. And so, the idea of uh, learning something it's mainly okay. Do, you, I I could summarize this in one sentence: a student knows the rules. A master knows the exception. Yeah, you understand like that. That's yeah. the way. And, and in order to 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 know, you, you have to find those masters. You know, you have to really look for them because they they have been through that pain, and more importantly, they are so dying to share it. Like you, you once you know something, you've been through something, and they say, "Oh boy, I wish people know how hard this thing is. I wish I could tell them." And so the, the hype is like, oh, this new thing come and we should use this. But nobody stop and say, maybe you should not. Maybe you should totally ignore that and, and focus on what matters. So yeah. I, I never recommend people to, to, you know, keep up. I say, what do you want to learn? What, what would make your life better? Like, okay, if you're into infrastructure as code, what, why do you need that? Do you want to manage a whole set of architecture? Do you have um, a use case for it and, and build upon that and see like, okay, try. You learn by failing, right? But that's actually a really painful way to learn. You know, it's better to learn from someone who already been through that and say, okay, I'm going to trust that person, do what he says or she says. And, and actually, once I'm there, you will not even notice that you avoided a lot of pain. You understand? You can you you don't you fix something and then you move on to the next thing. Yeah. But so hey, we forgot to ask uh, Matthias, what? How do you learn? Yeah. It's how do I learn? I think I I have like a, a channel, like a feed channel, when I get topics from Kubernetes and other, and then I try to to get those get events like a new a new uh, like uh, mesh network for kubernetes i get those bigger announcements on that one but then i'm also f like andre I can, maybe i talk with people and i i hear that they have a problem and then i think about that and then i start searching uh, about how you can solve the problem so then i come over some some tools that i start testing and I'm really into uh, 
uh, I have uh, I have my cluster and stuff here at home, so I spin up things and then start trying with things and see how I can make things work for me. Does it make any sense or? It does. It does. How you get right. Yeah, but I think that I don't have that like Twitter or news channel. I'm kind of like I have some spreads out. I get something on my phone, like maybe something from Reddit. Uh, I mean, sometimes you you post in some links, and then I follow that, and then I think okay. But I have this problem here. How how can I solve that? And then I try to combine those things to to learn how to solve the problem because I'm also really into just solving problems. That's what I like the mm. most. I think there is a kind of why you do what you do, right? As Julian said, I mean, um, you might be learning to solve a particular challenge that you faced with right now. So you need to get something done. And that's a matter of our work in uh, infrastructure engineering and automation that there is always something that we need to address. There are some new tools that people are using, the new type of deliverables, the new security threats, stuff like that. Also, the, the deployment target, where we're deploying to, is evolving. So we have to solve those, address those. But we also might choose to specialize, right? So with a, when with a solving the problem, you would do like a deep dive. You, you focus on this, you see what people are talking about. I'm writing exact, exactly about this problem, about this approach that you need to deal with. But uh, if you decide to specialize, then for instance, you say, I am gonna be an expert in AWS security, right? Then you would have to actually choose and pick and maybe actually follow what's going on because you decided that you're gonna be that's going to be your speciality. So you need to know because people expect you to know. So it's just a couple of different um, reasons why you know. And uh, every reason requires its own approach, I believe. So for some stuff, you just follow what's going on because you need to know and that might affect your decision-making. And some other people might ask you, how you go about that. So you have to be on top of what's going on. But if you're solving a particular problem, then uh, you might just have this laser focus and go in on a particular topic. And then when it's done, maybe you don't have to follow everything that's happening around that because it's done and it's not, you know, it's not yeah. a problem any longer. You'll find this solution. You don't want to evolve this solution any, any further. Yeah, and then also try to go to the conference and then try to go to the smaller rooms, you know? Mm. Those probably yeah. are not the big ones that everybody's sitting in. Like, there are smaller rooms and in the back, and they have some topics, and it's like almost always like some sort of deep dive or some new project. I like those, like, and sit there and say, okay, how can, can I work with this project? Can it be something that I can use later? Uh, yeah, I, I, like, I like those smaller things. But I'm mostly hands-on i want to uh, spin up some things and test them and see what i can do with it uh, i'm not that much into to uh, 
listen on podcasts or reading books and stuff. I'm more into uh, spin up and then try out and then fiddle around mm. till I get it to work and know how it's working. Meetups is actually another great thing. It's uh, yeah. where people, you know, they less constrain themselves. Like on a conference, you have to present, you're trying to deliver. And the meetups is less pressure. People actually usually more often. I mean, if it is a meetup, and by a meetup, I mean a gathering of people after work where there are like maybe 20, 30, 40 people present. So you have a chance to talk to many of them. And that's like a small group discussion around a certain topic. Whereas, for instance, like in Stockholm, on a certain topics like Docker, Kubernetes, you have like a mini conference. You don't have a meetup. You have like a 100, 150 people showing up, 200 people showing up. It's not a meetup any longer. Everyone just, you know, cramming in, listening, spreading out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. That's how, that's how Andre and I met. We met at a meetup. Yeah, cool. Wow. Yeah, where, where Julian did like 90 minutes talk about Charles engineering with Istio. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, not your, that's not your usual meetup talk. I mean, that was quite extensive, I would say. Where was this Istio? That can't be that long ago. The, what story, do you mean, the talk? It was recorded, yeah. actually. Okay, I'm going to have to look at it. Yeah, cool. So, uh, I have a new question for you here. Uh, how do you teach other? I mean, sometimes you're getting and you talk with, with other people that you work with or meet, and you need other people also to start learning, get new knowledge. But, but how how can you get them also to get interesting and start working with the the knowledge of them? I mean, if if I'm as a developer don't get any new uh, knowledge or new info, then I'm stuck on this updating framework stuff. We have to, well, uh, you know, clarification question. You're asking about yeah. how do you teach a person with motivation to learn? Or yeah. how, how do you get people motivated <laughs> in learning? Because those, yeah. those are two different questions. Yeah, I think people are motivated to learn new things, but how do you get them going? I mean, all right. How, how do you have something that that you can can share on that topic? I mean, Andre, you must met a lot of people. that is like, okay, if if you learn some new stuff here, or like started learning things, this project will go so much faster. It's actually like, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but that's what's happening with me all the time. So when I've been a CEO at Pragma, we uh, had a couple of people who came in with very little background. So we had to bootstrap them from the ground zero. Then back in Ericsson, we had a team that we had to upskill since we we will like change completely how they work, like the version control system, deployment system, yeah. everything changed. So we had to take the whole team and upskill it. And nowadays, like when I'm uh, solo consulting, I still quite often have, uh, like on the customer side, I have uh, team members that I need to upskill, or I have uh, my partners, associates that I need to upskill. So I actually work with that quite a lot. And uh, just this summer, 
myself and another person we're going to have at least we're planning to have five uh, like a summer workers type of like basically students who we will be teaching terraform cloud infrastructures code and then see if we can uh, get them working with us for for a little like you know for part time if they're students or full time if they have a possibility they're just just experimental project so i'm quite into bootstrapping people from zero and uh yeah. but then it's a way like when you have to when you go in from zero you just have to have um a list of curated content that you fit to them something that was useful for you so for instance a cloud guru i it's another platform i think they work now together with linux academy on certain courses so that was uh, very good for aws i believe they started with aws and then expanded to the other topics like gcp azure kubernetes so for aws learning and like uh, they also have like basic linux courses Aid Cloud Guru is really nice, and then it depends on the topic. But uh, I also been teaching quite a lot, so like you know, Gate, Jenkins, Docker. So certain things I would teach myself, and it yeah. also depends who the person is. So there are a lot of variables we need to address. Yeah. Again, I'm uh, I'm yeah. not known for giving short answers. Sorry. Sorry, Julian. How how do you? get your teammates or other people in your clothes that you work with uh, started in, in yeah new that's thing, a, so. it, it's a tricky question because as andre uh, pointed out it's uh, you you cannot really teach someone who doesn't want to learn and i i have a lot of failure story about that um but mainly what i what I do is I, I show people, like show me the code, show show me how to do. This is how you do. This is the result. Ah, and once once cool. people see that, it's like it, it it's easier for them to to grasp, especially if you teach a completely new concept. Um, I I made a, a workshop for Terraform, and it was a completely a complete shift for people to just go to a console and click around where you had to actually write things. And yeah. the, 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 the point is when people want to learn, it's so much easier because they're going to learn themselves. You just point them in the right direction. It's more like, oh, here's the, the starter kit or here's like a, a safe uh, environment, a test environment that you can try things out. I think that's... Uh, in order to to really master something, you have to have a, a safe environment, like not be afraid of failure, and be able to deconstruct your success as well as your failure. So, but to teaching, yeah, I I I, thought, I think that uh, presentation works really really well because it's a it's passive. People just have to see and watch, so they 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 get a lot of uh, things out of it, and. Uh, after that is to have some um how do you say test environment where they can practice it so f first yeah. you you set out a little bit of theory then you practice it and then after you you do another presentation to wrap up and see what are the best practice why what are the best uh, way to do it and uh, and uh, you know what what works and what did it cool cool cool
So, and any last words then? On yeah, I wanted how, to, to, to add yeah. something because I felt like I started quite a long talk about self-selling myself and that wasn't yeah. really a point. <laughs> I was teaching a lot of people but didn't really say anything. So, I wanted to add uh, on top of what Julian said, the mob programming techniques are super efficient. If you're so located, even if you're remote, it's, uh, it, it works, but uh, that was one of the best, I would say. So when you have a couple of people and you switch all the time, because like if, if you're just showing to people, then they might you know lose the focus or drift off a little bit. But if you switch every five minutes and like you change the roles, in the mob programming, you basically have like operator who tells what to do. Then you have the team discussing what to do. And then you have a person who inputs the command to the person on the keyboard. And then you switch the roles all the time. So you might be just sitting on the keyboard. You don't take the, you know, you don't participate in the discussion that much. You're just being told by operator what to type. And then the team feeds the operator with their ideas. And then you switch. And that, that makes you to engage. And everyone gets to try a little bit. And we even had a salespeople participating in that, writing like the tests in Java. And still, they managed to accomplish that together with the help of the team because this approach allows you to level up the team and slowly rise everything up high up to the level of the strongest team members. But you really need to know someone who knows what he's doing when it comes to the mob programming. And then again, to double down on what Julian said, having trust and safe environment. And also people like, you know, being ready to admit that they don't know something. That's that's where the learning begins, that you admit. Yeah, it. so Not true. being ignorant, you know. You just admit that, yeah, I don't know, like I spent, for instance, myself spent a lot of time on Terraform, AWS, and still like, I, I know very little fraction of what is out there. Yeah. And I'm always eager to learn. So that's that's where the learning begins. You admit that you don't know. It's like, you know, being alcoholic. You have to admit that you're an alcoholic. And then you're on the path to, to fixing the problem. But if you don't admit it, then there is no fixing. Nice. Yeah, so nice. true. Yeah. And I think that summarize this episode, episode seven, how you learn. So then it's just saying, Thank you so much for listening and uh, hope you listen soon again on episode 8. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the DevSecOps podcast with Matthias, Andre, and Julian. For more podcasts and notes, go to the webpage devsecops.fm. Thanks for tuning in.